please be seated. Welcome to those who are joining us in the fellowship hall today and also online. Today is the day of Pentecost. It's the day we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out onto the church. And it's also the last Sunday of our Gospel According to Luke series for the year because Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, also wrote the book of Acts, which is the book that answers the question, so after Jesus ascended to heaven, then what? Starting with the day of Pentecost, we see that what Jesus was born to do, died to do, rose to do, was poured out for us through the releasing of God's powerful Holy Spirit into our lives, God's personal, powerful, and purposeful presence right here with us. It's the Holy Spirit who rushes in to take us into the next chapter. So it's a pretty important day in the life of the church. And I understand if you don't know much about the Holy Spirit, the story of Pentecost might seem a little confusing, or even if you do know a lot about the Holy Spirit, actually. (laughs) The fact is that our God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's an awesome and kind of mind-bending truth. Because usually we can have some kind of concept that there is a God in the universe. And we might even understand that that God is kind of like a father to all that is, and that he might want us to actually know him. It's even fairly understandable that to help us know him, that God might choose to enter into humanity beside us, to help us know and understand his character and rescue us when we've gotten ourselves stuck in sin and need a new start. And even though we have a very imperfect understanding of how God can be both father and son at the same time, At least we have some earthly concepts to draw from with those relationships. But what about the Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit fit in? What does the Holy Spirit do? I think it's pretty unfortunate that through imperfect translating attempts, people in the past have referred to the third of the Trinity as the Holy Ghost. I think that's unfortunate because the connotations of that word do not work at all. Ghost is a word that people use to describe something that should be dead and yet still is somehow hanging around. (laughs) That is absolutely the wrong word for the Holy Spirit. There's nothing even remotely dead about the Holy Spirit, pretty much the opposite. The Holy Spirit is the power of life itself. The Holy Spirit is the creative, powerful bringer of life. In the Hebrew, the Holy Spirit is ruach the breath of life. In Genesis 1, the Holy Spirit of God hovered over the waters in the beginning and breathed life into the world. It was the Holy Spirit who breathed resurrection life into Jesus in the tomb. It's the Holy Spirit's power that worked perfectly through Jesus because as God's sinless, perfectly holy Son, who in obedience always chose to act on God's will, Jesus was the perfect conduit of the Holy Spirit's power. He had no resistance of sin or self-will to stand in the way of the Holy Spirit in him. So when Jesus' miracles happen, that's God's Son showing humanity how it's done, what it can look like when a human being cooperates with the will of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' miracles were signs of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together, united, just as in the moment of creation. But what about for us? 
For us, things tend to get in the way a bit of our experience of the power of the Holy Spirit's work. We can think about God's power to do things in the world, and we start to think, well, God can't use me to do anything like that. God can't speak to me like that. I can't hear God like that. I mean, Jesus is Jesus. I'm just sinful old me. And initially, that makes a lot of sense. We can see in the Old Testament, God hid Moses in the cleft of a rock so he didn't get the full blast of God's glory. He did that for his own protection. And when the presence of God descended on the tabernacle or the temple, God's presence was described as a light brighter than the sun. Scripture calls it his Shekinah glory. Angels who had been in the presence of God shine brightly just because they've been around him. After Moses talked with God on the mountain, his face shined. In the Old Testament, there was a veil separating the holiest of holies in the temple from the people. And only one person went in only once a year. And when he went in, there was a rope tied around his ankle in case he died and they had to drag him out. Brighter than the brightest flame is the Shekinah glory of God. But that holy God loves an unholy people. He wants to be at work to bless us, to guide us, to direct us in ways that are good. And so in the past, in the Old Testament, we would see the, old, the Holy Spirit would show up in smaller, protected, limited ways to open the door to his glory just to crack in short amounts of time with specific people and for a specific purpose always to enable those people to bring glory to God with power that they wouldn't have on their own. In Exodus 31, the Holy Spirit comes upon an artist, Bezalel, to empower him to create beautiful and powerful art for the tabernacle of God. The Holy Spirit enables personal, unique gifts of creativity to God's glory. In Judges 6, the Holy Spirit comes upon Gideon to empower him to lead when he himself had no strength to do so. The Holy Spirit enables power to do what God calls us to do. Isaiah 61, the Holy Spirit came on Isaiah to enable him to speak and write down the words of God for future generations. The Holy Spirit enables God's purpose for us to be known. But between God's amazing glory and us and our sinfulness, there always stood a barrier between us, one that we could never cross. And so in his love for us and his longing for us, God himself chose to cross the line. When Jesus entered into humanity, God's sinless son, and died a sinless death for our sake, he took our sin with him into death. And when he rose up clean, having left our sin behind, he rose to share his righteousness with all who would put our trust in him. Jesus' work for us became our buffer of righteousness, our cleansing, our holiness, one that doesn't come from us but him. When Jesus died on the cross, that curtain in the temple that had separated the holiest of holies from the people, it ripped in two from the top to the bottom to say nothing can separate us from him now because Jesus clean is stronger than our dirty. And when we receive his gift of saving grace for us, that becomes only the beginning of what we can now receive from him. You see, Jesus died not just to save us from death, but to enable us to receive a portion of his life 
in power and presence in our lives right now. And that's what the disciples were waiting for in that upper room on the day of Pentecost. Jesus had told them to wait for the power from on high that would come after he ascended to heaven. Because while Jesus was on earth, the Holy Spirit worked through Jesus. The Shekinah glory of God, the bright light of his immediate presence was in Jesus, housed in the holy temple of his body. And when Jesus ascended to heaven to the right hand of the Father in glory, the Holy Spirit was set free to go to work on earth, to bring God's Shekinah glory into a new temple, but not just one. Every heart that would allow Jesus' cleansing work to be applied to them could receive the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, remember what happened? The disciples were praying And all of a sudden, they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind, the ruach, the breath of life that was breathed into creation, now filled the whole room. And what did they see? They saw fire, the Shekinah glory of God in front of them. But this time, that glory didn't stay distant. It separated into individual tongues of flame, and it came to rest on each and every one of them the immediate presence of God's glory. Each of them became the temple of God's holy presence. This had never happened before. And that's what Pentecost is about. It's about God sending the same power that breathed life into the world and raised Jesus from the dead into our lives, into your life and mine. The gift of the Holy Spirit is like nothing in the world because it's not of this world. It's the gift of God's own intimate, immediate presence. You are meant to be the temple of the living God. That's what Jesus died and rose to accomplish for us. John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Knowing God, experiencing God, is tasting, living into your eternal future. To be in the presence of God is to be in the presence of your eternal home. The Holy Spirit moves us from knowing about God to knowing God. That's the Holy Spirit's job, to make God known to you through Jesus Christ and what he's done, and to apply that power and purpose to your life. And yet the Holy Spirit seems so mysterious to us, we often shy away from praying for the Holy Spirit to be at work in us. Because what we don't know can be scary to us. And so knowing that, when Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit in Luke 11, he tells us that what we can expect is good. (laughs) Jesus floats a question. He says, Which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, give him a scorpion. If you wouldn't do that to your kids, do you think God would do that to you? This is not a bait and switch. God knows how to give good gifts to his children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit is the presence of a good God. It's mysterious, certainly not tame, but good 
And where the Holy Spirit is acting, it will always draw you into the things of Jesus because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always work together. So you can always know if it doesn't look like Jesus, it's not the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing you can know about the Holy Spirit. And secondly, as we see from the story of the Pentecost and Acts, the Holy Spirit is personal, powerful, and purposeful. When the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, it was intensely personal, not just in the message, but in the way God chose to deliver it. When I was in French-speaking West Africa in the year 2000, I spent a lot of time in crowds that were speaking languages that I didn't know. And let me tell you, the minute anyone in any of those crowds started speaking English, I immediately locked onto that voice like it was the only one speaking, because I knew those words that were being spoken were meant for me. And in the same way, in a crowd full of people, the Holy Spirit used each disciple to speak a personal message to individuals from all around the known world that what Jesus did is for you. This message is for you. You are invited into this new life. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Jesus came for you, died for you, rose for you, you are invited into the eternal presence of the living God. See, Pentecost is extremely personal to him. And on Pentecost, he invites you to know it's also extremely personal for you. Jesus would not have died for you if he didn't want to invest in you. And on that first Pentecost, God used people in different languages to speak of and share the power and love of Jesus. But did you know that's still the Holy Spirit's job? To translate Jesus' love into the language of your heart, too. He speaks your language, if you'll listen. And sometimes how he speaks is even kind of funny. When I was in seminary, one week I was having a really hard week, I was all wrapped up in stress and worry, and I went for a walk to pray. And as I was praying, I kept thinking a mile a minute, Lord, what about this? What do I do about this? Please, just give me a sign, any sign. And at that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit nudging my heart and giving me two words in my mind, look up. So I did. And that moment, I looked up, I found myself directly looking at a sign that said, yield. <laughs> I laughed out loud. I said, I get it, Lord. I hear you. I yield. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to surrender all of this. I'm going to trust that you're leading me. That moment completely turned me around. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me the only way I was able to hear it at that moment. He's so personal. The Holy Spirit knows the spirit within you. He knows your spirit even better than you do. And he'll always bring you back to the truth of Jesus. That's how you know it's the spirit of God. Surrender and trust? Yep, that sounds like Jesus. So how does the Holy Spirit speak to you? Does he use nudges in your heart, words, scripture, pictures, feelings? What language does he use to speak to you? Ask him, listen for him this week. The Holy Spirit is personal, but he's also powerful. Sometimes the Holy Spirit can be very subtle 
in our lives. But in other times, his power is very clear. And I think in those times when we experience the power of the Holy Spirit, it's probably because we're in a place where we really need to know that it's God who's speaking and not us. The power of the Holy Spirit reminds us that this God who is for us is much greater than us. Sometimes we really need to know that. Now, on Pentecost, when the disciples were speaking about Jesus in languages they didn't know, they clearly knew God was at work. But the crowd around them tried to dismiss this all as some kind of drunken prank. So Peter stood up to explain what God was doing, was fulfilling a prophecy in Joel. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, the Holy Spirit gives many different kinds of gifts. So these particular ones, prophecy, visions, dreams, what do those have in common? They are God's direct communication to people in various forms. And what kind of people does God show us that he talks to? Professional prophets? Nope. All kinds. Old, young, men, women, the kind who call upon the name of the Lord. You see, this isn't just about the Holy Spirit enabling you to be a better you. It's about receiving in power who he is too. Our sermon series that's starting next week called When God Speaks is about how the Holy Spirit spoke to the prophets in different eras of history to be vessels of his message to the world. And we'll learn about the messages God sent through them and what they tell us about God. But today on Pentecost, we see the messages, the floodgates are open. God wants to pour out the Holy Spirit in power and speak to every heart who wants to hear from him. And that message is all about Jesus' redeeming work and invitation to you. Prophecies, dreams, visions. Does God still speak that way? Yes. Actually, more powerfully than ever. Last Wednesday was the first day of Ramadan when our Muslim neighbors are fasting and praying. And if you ask any Christian missionaries around the world, you'll learn that one of the most common ways that Muslims come to know and follow Jesus as Lord come from them receiving visions of Jesus during Ramadan. While they're praying and earnestly seeking God, Jesus himself appears to them, much like he did with the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road. And Jesus tells them, I'm the one you're looking for. Follow me. The Holy Spirit's job is to make Jesus known. And so in visions and dreams and prophetic words, he arranges the introduction. This is Jesus. So in this season, please be praying for our Muslim neighbors to have hearts that are open to see him. The Holy Spirit's power is used in personal ways for a very specific purpose, which brings us to that third P. God has a purpose for this world, and it's to draw every heart to himself. And Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit's work in John 16. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. 
All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. I think it's important that we hear what Jesus is saying here, that God's purposes and speaking to us by the Holy Spirit doesn't just involve specific plans, but it also involves specific timing. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will guide us step by step into all truth. He's going to let us know what we need for today. No more than we need and no less. And I can understand for the planners among us how that might drive you a little bit crazy. But you can see why he does that, don't you? That's how he teaches us to live in daily trust and dependent relationship on him by showing us that he's faithful one step at a time. He trains us up to keep looking to him. Just think about God's timing in this story of the Pentecost. Did you ever wonder, why didn't God send the Holy Spirit right away as soon as Jesus ascended? Pentecost was a Jewish festival that celebrated two things, the year's harvest and the gift of God's law that was given to guide the people. At Pentecost, thousands of people came together at this festival, and it was here the Holy Spirit showed that God came to gather a harvest of hearts and to give a, great, a greater gift even than his law, God's own immediate presence to guide his people. In the purpose of God's timing, God was showing them through Jesus a whole new chapter had been opened up for the world in relationship with God. And of the thousands gathered, 3,000 people came to faith that day, and for thousands more, a seed of faith was planted. God's timing has purpose. And no matter how surprising it might seem to us, these things are no surprise to God. What brings us to the question of what the Holy Spirit is doing right here in us? Because as you know, our community too is changing. On June 10th, we'll be saying goodbye to the Turnbulls, marking the end of a very important and beautiful, impactful chapter in our life together. And even though it's going to be hard for us to say goodbye, to see the closing of that chapter, we can take comfort in knowing that God is not surprised by this. He knows where he'll lead the Turnbulls in their next chapter of ministry, and he also knows where he will lead us in our next chapter. That same Holy Spirit who breathed life into the world, who resurrected Jesus, who breathed power and purpose into those disciples at the first Pentecost is right here with us today. And he's not done with us. When we receive what Jesus has done for us, that's only the beginning of what he wants to show us. And I feel very strongly that in this transition time ahead, the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into a season of deeper trust in Jesus' lordship and leading, to teach us once again that we're called to walk in trust, depending on his leading one step at a time as he guides us into all truth. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to throw open the doors and remind us in a powerful way that we are each called to be temples of his holy presence to remind us how he's gifted each and every one of us to play a part in the mission of who we'll, we will become as a community of his grace right here in White Bear Lake. And I believe in this season he's going to grow us in trusting him personally and powerfully for his purpose among us. 
So in this season of transition and the days to come, look for upcoming opportunities for your involvement in prayer and participation in this time of discernment. And then this week, I'd like to ask you to be in prayer, to listen for what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And I would like to hear not just what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, but also how it is that he communicates with you. I find that fascinating. As Christian author Priscilla Shire says, it's his job to speak, ours to listen, and our joy to be invited to join in. So may you know that joy is for you, personally, powerfully, and in his purpose for you today. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us, lead us, inspire us, Lord, to see what it is that you want to do in us and through us. We thank you, Lord, for your power at work in us. And we pray as you continue to lead us into all truth, that we would see more deeply and more concretely the love of Jesus for us, the leadership of Jesus, the word of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, that all these things would be settled deep in our hearts and our minds. And help us, Lord, to find our anchor and our root in what never changes, that truth of your grace and your power. Lord, help us to trust in you for what's next because we know the next chapter is also in your hand by the power of your Holy Spirit. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.